Welcome back, bass players and musicians of the world at large. It is episode 13 of the Better Bass Podcast. I'm Wyatt Walker Ware, and you are listening to the final episode of the podcast for the year 2022. Super excited, already 13 episodes in, sending this one out on December 30th. And uh, today I just wanted to, to ring in the new year a little bit, talk about my uh, my New Year's bass resolutions and my goals for 2023, not something that I... Uh, not something that I generally do for myself. I'm not a long-term goals kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a habits kind of guy. I've talked about this before. I kind of just sit down, work on stuff every day, and wherever it takes me, it takes me. But for this next year, I kind of want to I want to double down on some things, and I want to really get some stuff together on the bass and in my practice routine and in my performances that I feel I've been lacking. My main paradigm here is that I want to spend this next year being the most tasteful musician that I can possibly be. That's where I want to improve. That's what I want to work on. And from a practical perspective, I'm finding myself sidemanning. I'm finding myself want to wanting to be a sideman, excuse me. And I want to get hired for both financial reasons and for creative reasons. The most important thing to me playing improvised music, well, playing music in general at least, is that I'm making music with the the best musicians and the most tasteful musicians I can find around me, in my area, in my scene. And if I want to do that, I do not have the clout yet. I'm not saying I can't get here and I plan to get here, but I do not have the clout. I do not have the... Uh, the experience as a band leader to really have an, an awesome band together all the time. So I need to put myself in a spot where those musicians and the people those musicians work with often want to hire me, and that means being a tasteful bass player. That means serving the music at all other costs. That means getting rid of my ego that means getting rid of of preconceived ideas of no I'm going to play like this because I'm staunch in my I'm resolved in the way that I play and the way that I express myself none of that anymore I am going to play to serve the music to the best of my ability and I am going to trust my ears and trust myself to do that in a performance setting now what does this mean for my practice what does this mean for my practice routine the first thing is I need to really change my approach to social media. I really need to change my approach to the way that I use social media. I have, just like everyone, just like every internet musician, quote-unquote, I, I say that not as a term for people who only play or post videos on the internet, because I'm certainly not one of those. I do play live a lot. But everyone who does that at all, and everyone who tries to have a presence on social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever, for me it's Instagram and I just kind of trickle the post down to Facebook and those get zero reach and zero engagement. I don't even know why I do that anymore. But with the Instagram thing, I found myself over the course of the last year trying to be consistent at it and been on and off with it. And 
I sit down and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to record this Instagram clip now and I'm going to do that and that's the main goal of what I'm trying to accomplish here and fact of the matter is that's just not genuine. When I throw the camera down and I say, okay, I'm going to make something so that I can post it and I can get lots of clicks, that has nothing to do with art. That has nothing to do with the art that I want to make. That has nothing to do with the music I want to make. And as I start spending more time doing that, I've been giving myself permission to do things in that kind of performance that aren't really acceptable on a stage, on a real stage. I give myself permission to, to, to screw something up technically and take 15 takes to get it right. That doesn't apply to a real performance. That doesn't even apply to, the, to, to time in the studio. I haven't spent a ton of time in a recording studio myself, but I know that in the modern era, we're not booking five-day sessions where we can do 15 takes of each tune. No, 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 no. Art budget is not there. With a few exceptions at the very highest levels, of course. But art budget is really not there. And if I'm going to perform at a level where I'm going to be hired, then I need to make it a habit of playing very, very consistently and performing very consistently. And part of that is letting go of this uh, this social media thing and the way that I quote-unquote create content for that. My shift in paradigm here is... I'm just going to set up a camera while I'm practicing something, and it's for me. When I, when I do that recording out of a practice session, when I'm playing at home, it is for me. It's not for anybody else. It's not to get clicks. It's not to get views and likes. It is for me to review later and listen back and see what I can improve upon. And I've done that in the past, but I think if I limit myself to that, then my process is going to streamline itself a lot and I'm going to improve my taste. I'm going to express myself in a more genuine way, and I'm going to stop making these habitual mistakes that I've created from trying to to, to, to be a better social media personality. And I never really thought about it that way consciously, but it's just been a recent realization for me that that's what I'm doing. I am succumbing to the clickbait. I'm at the early stages of it, but I'm 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 slowly spiraling down the clickbait rabbit hole just like uh just like many many others, just like many of us are. It's so easy to do, and I want to get away from that. And I want to focus on real music, real music only. Have everything that I do every time I pick up in the every time I pick up my instrument have the end goal of being a better performer and being a more tasteful performer. Besides disengaging myself from social media a little bit, I, I will continue to post and I'll continue to do what I've been doing because having the following, having the numbers, having the, the, the exposure, as horrible of a buzzword as that is, having the exposure is a very, very useful tool and I want to continue to build that and have it at my fingertips to use to promote myself when I can. Besides that, I really want to double down on fundamentals in the practice room. I really want to double down on time and sound and control of the instrument, and I want that to reach a level where I can't screw it up anymore, where I, I cannot make a distasteful sound. I cannot play a random note way too loud or too quiet here or there. I cannot make a, a mistake... That, plucking way too hard on the instrument, getting a, a crappy tone quality out of it. 
I want to really internalize the idea that I'm practicing things not until I get them right, but until I can't get them wrong anymore. In hearing my uh, my recordings of performances that I've done, as I do, and in, in reviewing those recordings lately, I've just seen a lot of inconsistency, and I've seen a lot of roughness around the edges in things that I consider to be very, very important to good bass playing and good musicianship, and I want to clean that up. I want to clean that up, I want to get rid of those, and I want to focus my energy in the right places in the practice room to do that. That, um, the, the episode I recorded a little while ago, the What Makes a Good Bassist episode, I don't remember what number it was, but I played a couple of exercises in there, some, some time exercises, some metronome exercises, and I absolutely shat all over them. Like, it, it, it was not good. I put it out anyways, because like I've said many times on this podcast, I'm trying to keep this very raw and very genuine and leave it as a snapshot of my own process. But I did not execute those exercises well. I hadn't played them in a long time. I hadn't gone through the stuff in a while. I thought I could just come off with it off the dome at tempos that were unreasonable for me. And I found my timekeeping really, really lacking in trying to execute that. So I've gone back to the fundamentals. I've gone back to those exercises. I've gone back to playing that way, playing grooves with the metronome on one of every bar, leaving myself the space to rush or drag if I'm going to rush or drag, being able to catch myself, recording myself playing along to a metronome, seeing the uh, the sort of real versus feel of that, seeing where my where my feel actually is, not just if I can keep the, the beat one or the beat two or four or whatever it is in sync with the metronome, but if I can make it swing, if I can make it groove, if I can make it funky, if I can feel good doing it. And I've discovered I'm just not as good at that as I thought I was. I have not mastered that. I have not reached a point where I am comfortable with my own sound in that context, and that is something that I can do better. And that is something that will serve me as a musician on stage, that will serve me in performance settings, and... If I can continue to develop that and continue to develop a very, very good sense of internal time and the connection between my sense of internal time and my hands on the instrument, because that's almost an entirely separate thing from just being able to hear the beat in your head, then that will improve my journey of being a more tasteful musician. As soon as I can get on stage and not have to think about the rhythm anymore, not have to think about holding the beat down anymore, not have to, to be concerned and sort of jump around a little bit and move my head in a circle when, uh, when the drummer drops out and when I've got to keep the time for a minute or when the drummer starts really floating around and I've got to keep the time steady, I want to develop my skill there to a point of ultimate confidence. And that's the other thing. I want to develop the, the ultimate confidence in general. I want to develop a sense of really, truly not giving a damn about how I sound when I'm on stage so that I can put 100% of my ears, 100% of my mental stack into listening to other musicians. The mental stack thing is a, a concept I borrowed from professional video game coaches, but I think it's really applicable to music as well because... Your brain only does so many processes per second. Your brain can only handle so much information coming in. And in the video game context, they use it to the point of, okay, a beginner at playing a certain position in a certain video game is going to have a large 
large portion of their mental stack just taken up by the the physical controls, right? Which button to press to move which direction, which button to press to do what. By the time you gain the experience, by the time you become more comfortable, this physical thing is no longer occupying your mental stack and you're thinking about the way that your character in the game interacts with other characters. And then you eventually reach a point where that's so internalized that you can think about broad strategy and and think about long-term aspects of the game, occupy the largest part of your mental stack with that, while the mechanical, physical aspects and the, the micro-interaction aspects no longer have to uh, no longer have to have a ton of thought put into them. And I think that's a really good concept applicable to music and music practice because for me. I'm a relative beginner to the, the the instrument of the bass guitar. I've only been on this instrument for about six years. I've put in a lot of time, a really disproportionate amount of time in that six years, and I have tons of background in other instruments and in writing music and arranging, etc. But only very, very recently do I feel like my mental stack is, is uh, not being overwhelmed by the physical aspect sometimes. And even still, even to this day, I find myself, I go for some shift, I hear something, I go for a shift up to a high note, I miss it by a half step, boom, there goes my entire mental stack. My entire mental stack is now occupied with, oh no, oh shit, I've got to find my place on the fretboard again, and I've got to get back to somewhere. And when that happens, my time and sound suffers. When that happens, my listening suffers, my phrasing suffers, everything suffers. So... I really, really want to have that physical aspect together, and I want to be more mindful of it. I want to be more mindful of where my mental stack is, and also more mindful of playing in a way that is true to myself, and playing in a way that is physically physically doable. Maybe not physically easy. I'm not gonna... I don't want to be lax. I want to maintain my intensity in performance, but... I want to lighten up on myself a little bit. I want to know my limits, know what I can execute, and be true to what I can execute. And not go for things that I'm nervous about and that I think I might screw up because the fact of the matter is, in a performance situation, if I go for something like that, I'm going to tense up, and when I tense up, I'm going to mis-execute it, and it's going to come through on the recording, it's going to come through to the audience, it's going to come through to other people in the band, and it's 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 substandard, it's not genuine, it's not great artistic expression. That brings me to a, uh, a, a real tenet of my own practice philosophy, which is separating practice from performance. I really try to have it in mind that when I sit down with my instrument and before I start playing something, I try to have a mindset of, I'm trying to practice this, I'm trying to improve this, I'm, I'm giving myself permission to do things that I wouldn't do on stage, or to say, no, I'm performing this, I'm going to execute, I'm not trying to learn here. I'm just going to execute to the best of my ability and I'm going to build the I'm going to build the habits that I've made by practicing. And I think overlapping the two is where a lot of that stage tension comes from where 
practicing on the bandstand and having some idea in my head that oh I'm gonna go I'm gonna go up and I'm gonna go play this thing that I've been shedding all day or even even spur of the moment in the middle of a song I think oh here's a good spot where I can shoehorn in this thing that I was practicing earlier today this weird harmonic idea or this melody or whatever it is I got to get rid of that. I got to get rid of the idea of practicing on the bandstand, and I've got to allow myself to just execute, allow myself to be relaxed instead of trying to force myself to relax. You can't force yourself to relax, and that that seems like that seems really obvious. It's a, well, duh, Wyatt. What the hell are you talking about? But that's something that I've spent an inordinate amount of time trying to do. I've tried to force myself to relax a lot. And it doesn't work. It builds mental tension. Mental tension builds physical tension, and that results in mis-execution. Back to being a more tasteful musician. I know this has been kind of an abstract ramble, and that's why I'm keeping it very, very personal here, and I'm not uh, I'm not using second person. I'm not prescribing anything, because this is deep mental process, and this is some really deep reflection that I'm going through here. And everyone's mind works differently, everyone's psychology works differently, and I've certainly dissected the practice psychology and the performance psychology aspect as it relates to me, and hopefully I can inspire maybe somebody listening to this podcast to do something similar. But besides all of that, there are actually some concrete things that I want to apply in my practice routine that I think will help me become a more tasteful musician and Number one out of all those, a habit that I'm in that I really don't like, that I really get frustrated when I see, is gazing at the neck and staring at the fretboard. I find I'm, I'm starting to miss cues on stage. I'm starting to miss when the, the horn player sticks his hand up to uh, play the bridge of a funk tune, something like that, because I'm, I'm too busy. I'm in this deep habit of looking at the neck all the time, and my head is down. My head's not up making eye contact with other musicians on stage. People who play with their eyes closed can, can experience similar things like this, but... There's certain information on the bandstand that can't quite effectively be communicated through sound only. That's a little bit of a controversial take, but I really do believe that to be true. Maybe in a perfect world, you can communicate everything you need to communicate with only sound from your instrument and only with your phrasing and only by cueing with the way you play. But especially on a stage with less than ideal monitoring or something to that effect, you're going to need to visually cue each other, and I am not good at that. That is an aspect of my performance that has really, really atrophied since my days as a gigging saxophone player, as a horn player. I used to have a pretty good grasp of that and of how to front a band and how to lead through a song from the front of the stage, but now... Now that I'm in the rhythm section, now that I'm in the quote-unquote supporting role on the back of the stage, not only do I not have a good grasp on how to give those cues, I'm not doing a very good job getting them either. And step one is to keep my head up. Step one is to get my head out of the fretboard and to really not need to look at the neck anymore. I've been spending a lot of time in my fundamentals practice when I'm playing a... something like that, and then I shift it. 
I make sure that I am spending the absolute minimum amount of time looking at the neck. I'm not quite at a point where I'm physically comfortable enough to, to shift super cleanly up a fourth, down a fifth, up a sixth, up a seventh, something like that every time without looking at the instrument at all. I will usually miss it if I try to do that, but... I'm making sure that I just take an incredibly short glance, a quarter of a second, maybe, and then my head's back up, and I'm looking forward, and I'm looking, you know, around the stage if I'm on stage, but I, I try to keep my head away from the neck when I'm, when I'm playing exercise-y things, and also when I'm improvising. Spending a lot of time just practicing improvisation focusing on keeping really, really nice phrasing, keeping my ideas really clear and my execution really clean, and keeping my head out of the neck and only looking at the fingerboard when I'm, uh, when I'm going for a big shift or something to that effect. Also, I'm trying to be mindful of, in, in improvisation practice and in creative practice, not playing everything I hear. And if I hear something that I'm going to kind of rush into... I just don't play it, and I try to make sure that, uh, in the words of the great Barney Kessel, that the the paraphrased words of the great Barney Kessel, I don't know exactly what he said, but everything that I play should have some real musical value. Barney Kessel phrased it in a way that you should make sure everything you play has some real musical value, because not everything you hear will have real musical value. So... I'm trying to respect that. I'm trying to be mindful of that and make sure that the ideas that I have are really genuine and I think that they're good as I'm playing them. And that's going to help me get rid of the, the insecurity that results in overplaying, that results in me going for things that I can't execute because my ego says, oh no, now you need to, now you need to follow it up with this, now you need to follow it up with something different, you need to change what you're doing, or you need to do something that's, uh, that's this certain idiom. There's no you must about any of it. Reality is there's no you must about any of it. I tell myself this, my brain tells me this, my ego tells me this, but I can just play how I'm going to play. I don't have to play everything I hear. What comes out is going to be genuine. What comes out is going to be my ideas, especially when I'm giving myself the space to really be thoughtful about those ideas. And my execution's going to improve that way. At least, at least it has so far. The clarity of my ideas and the clarity of my execution has really improved since, uh, since I've started being mindful about that. And I know I have a really, really long way to go with this. I have a long way to go before it becomes a deep enough part of my playing that it moves from the practice room to the stage and it moves and comes out when I'm trying not to think about anything except what's going on around me in the band. But like I said, I've already seen some result from this and I hope to continue to do so. So uh, that's my New Year's base resolutions for, for 2023. Catch me being a... Uh, being a more tasteful bassist at the end of the year. Catch me being a better bassist at the end of the year. Till next time, let's all be better bass players together, and I will see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.